show up as my authentic self. Like, if you guys know me, you know you get the same Tiana tomorrow, today, yesterday. Um, being able to show up as my authentic self and really voice my opinions and people hear me because they know that it's coming from an authentic place. So I'm able to give advice and, you know, give opinions and give feedback and people are able to hear me because they trust me. So that's what influences for me. That's good to know. So how does networking play into being a self-publisher? Like, how does that play in, you know, networking, trying to get yourself out there, trying to get, you know, your story or your book or just the author that you're trying to be, like how does that look and how does that play a big, is it a big role or should it be something that, you know, you start off doing or how do you think that networking plays a part in self-publishing? It's a big part, I think. Um, all of you, how, how do people know what you're doing if you're not in the atmosphere, if you're not on social media, if you're not talking about what you're doing? Um, I feel like that's the only way that people are going to know what you're doing and, and ultimately know how to help you. Everybody wants to help. They just need you to tell them how they can help you. So I think networking is a, is a major in, in people just knowing your story and knowing what you need and learning how to help you. All right, guys, let's give it up for Tiana again. It's um, the Tiana brand. We have our candles up. We'll go right on to the next, and we have Miss Brandy up next. Yay! So, of course, I know finances, those things can be a little difficult of a conversation, and sometimes I'm not gonna say difficult, I just think sometimes a lot of people just doesn't understand, you know, finances, financials, and all those different things. So, how important is it to build wealth as an author? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so it's really important to build wealth as an author, as an entrepreneur, as a person with a pulse. <laughs> Everybody needs to build their wealth. Um, it's really how we establish our legacy, um, how we're able to live a quality lifestyle, be able to do the things that we want to do while we're here, how we take care of our families, our loved ones, prepare for retirement, future. So uh, building wealth and having your personal finances in order is essential, it's the key. I always say it's the engine that makes everything grow. Um, if you want to do something, if you want to, if you have a creative idea, it costs money, right? And that's just the reality of it. And I think, you know, a lot of people sometimes they just get nervous or uh, intimidated by the process because they may not know where to access the resources. Um, so I think once we can kind of take down some of those barriers and just fear and making sure we have great resources for everyone, then we can take some of that intimidation in the right way. That's great to know. So this is always a question I know that even in the role that I play, that I always hear. So you have to have a lot of money to start. <laughs> it's a great question. Thank you for asking that question. No, that is a misconception. There's a lot of misconceptions um, as it relates to investing. So I'm an investment advisor. Um, I help people build their wealth portfolios every day. Some of my clients, when they're starting off, they may only have $25 to start their investment portfolio with. So no, it does not take a lot of money. You really can build a wealth portfolio where you are. Um, it's really around your budget. So whether you're just starting off, or whether you're a middle income earner, or you're high net worth, um, it doesn't make a difference. The most important thing about building your wealth portfolio is getting started. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you can be met where you are. So if any 
anybody doesn't have their portfolio started. It's just about getting your knowledge and um, you know getting started. It does not take a lot of money. That was my next question. Where do you start? Because a lot of times people just do not know where to go to even start. So where do you start? Yep, I think the first thing that we have to do is understand uh, mindset. So we start in our own mind. Um, just making that decision that this is something that we want to be intentional about. Um, being coming wealthy is something that you choose to do, right? Um, so you have to go after it, you gotta go get it, so it starts in the mindset. Once you make that decision that, hey, this is the journey that I wanna take, I wanna go on that wealth-building journey, I wanna go on that financial freedom journey, the next step is gonna be education. Um, because you don't know what you don't know, and money is a language. Um, it's just like speaking Spanish or French or German, it's a language that you must learn if you wanna understand the rules and regulations, the tools and the instruments. There's a lot of wealth-building instruments right at our fingertips, but if you don't understand how to use those instruments, you can get confused or may even do something to uh, you know, hurt yourself in the process, right? So you gotta have the mindset, you gotta get educated, and then you gotta get a financial advisor. Uh, because it is a new language, you may not know how to work the industry. And that's where I think people get uh, frustrated at, is that they don't have a financial advisor, they don't have a financial coach. It's just like going to the doctor. If you were to get sick, you wouldn't perform surgery on yourself. You're gonna go to a professional, a doctor. It's the same thing with your personal finances and building wealth. You're gonna go to, to a professional, someone who speaks the language and who can teach you the rules and give you all the keys that you need to be successful um, in your wealth building journey. So mindset first, Education second, get with the right person, get with a financial advisor so they can help eliminate a lot of the craziness in the process. And then also so you can get good information because there's a lot of information out there floating around on the internet that may not apply to everybody. Wealth building is an individual process. That's why it's called personal finance. So we can't take the blanket statements from the internet and think that, oh, I should do that because it may not apply to you or your situation or your goals. That was really good. Now, this is my last question for you. Should everyone have life insurance? And if so, why? That's a great question. Very, very good question. So yes, everyone should have life insurance. Um, like I said, I've been a licensed financial advisor now for a while, over a decade. And um, absolutely, because there's a 100% chance of passing away. Um, so it's actually, of all the insurances, the one that we know 100% we're gonna need. We may not ever get in an auto, you know, an auto accident. You may not ever use your auto insurance, even though it's, it's illegal not to have it, and that's quite interesting that it's illegal not to have uh, auto insurance, but not illegal not to have life insurance, even though there is a 100% chance of death. It's one of those topics that never feels good to discuss. It's just never gonna feel good, but it's a great way, number one, to take care of our final expenses. Number two, to be able to leave an estate or an immediate uh, wealth for our family. So it's a great way to be a blessing uh, when we transition. I do a lot of research, I'm a researcher, and I was researching GoFundMe. And in GoFundMe, they generate revenue off of the fees. And a lot of times, many communities, especially ours, we use GoFundMe. In the black and brown community, over 60%, we don't have life insurance outside of our jobs. We heavily rely on GoFundMe. Well, we actually helped GoFundMe raise $100 million in revenue. This is facts, um, so I'm a numbers person, so I speak facts. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And $100 million in revenue in GoFundMe, but we could have put that money back into our own families, our own communities for our children, but instead we took care of someone else's family, someone else's children. So it's just so important that we get really realistic and we gotta not operate in that delusional mindset. It's gonna be a transition, that's just the way that life works, but we can be responsible and we can also set our families up for success with life insurance. That was great, that was great. So again, guys, this is Brandy. 
can you let them know your handles um, to follow you on social media, things like that? Yeah, definitely. So I'm out on all social media platforms, and for everybody who's uh, at the event today, the Author Pro event, um, I'm offering a free financial assessment, a financial needs analysis. It normally costs $1,200. It's free of charge, so 100%. Uh, so reach out to me. Yeah. So whether it's investing or life insurance or credit or just debt elimination, even debt strategies, I do a lot of debt plans, so you don't have to struggle alone. It's free. There is no consultation fee whatsoever. Brandy Avery on all social media platforms, um, IG, slide in the DM, Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn as well as Brandy Avery. What was your cell phone number? Secure card, 
then you can also add, have someone add you on as an authorized user. Being added onto somebody's credit line as an authorized user is very important, especially if they have a good line of credit. It will definitely help you. Um, and then as far as business credit, As far as business credit, again, I think just making sure that your personal credit is good, making sure that you know exactly where your business is going and what you need. A lot of times we don't want to jump in getting a lot of debt for our business if we do not know where our business is going. So that's why it's important to have a business plan. That's like the Bible of your business. You'll know where you're going, how you're going, and what you need to go there. Okay? So let's give it up for Jasmine for requesting Sierra. But these, these ladies are lovely and they do a really good job. I have worked with Sierra for years. I knew her. We worked at Chase together. And she's a very kind hearted person. I love her, love her. And of course, we want to thank Jasmine for coming out today. Who next we got Miss Michaela. Let's go, Miss Michaela. We're going to get right into this because I need to listen to this. We're going to get right into this brand stylist. So exactly what do a brand stylist do? I mean, you got to explain that to us. What do you do? What do you do? So I'm a brand strategist and stylist. The stylist is the pretty part, right? But the strategy is what is going to be the foundation of your business. So, and this is for anybody who has a business, whether you're an author or whatever. I want everybody to repeat after me. My logo is not my brand. My logo is not my brand. My website is not my brand. My website is not my brand. Okay, we got that, right? Because everybody wants to start a business. I'm gonna give me a logo and now it's got something, right? But not really. Your brand is your why, right? Your brand is your mission. Your brand is your values. Your brand is why am I gonna work with this financial advisor and not that financial Right, that's your brand. Who your target audience is, who your that's your brand. I hate when I'm going into a discovery call with a potential client or a new client. I'm like, okay, so who's your biggest competition? I'm like, girl, I don't got no competition yet. Just me, I, anybody in my land, and that's like the most ignorant thing that you can think going into your business. You 100% have. Now, if it's your personal life, yes, keep that same energy. Since when it comes to your brand or your business, you do have competition. You do have competitors. You do have another person who sells bomb bundles like you. You do have another financial advisor. You do have another credit repair specialist. You have competition. You need to identify who your competition is and then figure out what are they doing well. Not to copy them, but to know what it is that they're doing well and what, what are they lacking in. Where's that little area of opportunity that you can fix your brand into? What problem are they not yet solving? That's how you can differentiate yourself from another brand, but um, the logo on the website, that is part of your brand identity. Your brand is the why, the mission, the how are you going to set yourself apart, and how are you going to, as an author, what problem are you going to help this person solve by them reading your book, or attending your master class, or whatever. That's your brand. That's what I help do, develop the brand. <laughs> so how important is it for an author to have a website? It's extremely important, and it's important for any business to have a website. I'm automatically questioning what you got going on if you don't have a website. <laughs> like, I don't want to DM you the book. I don't want to DM you the purchase. You have to have that 
that foundation, that home front. That's your storefront, right? If you don't have a physical store for someone to go into, your website is your storefront. Now for authors, it's a little bit different. A one-page portfolio website that functions like a full website is going to do the job for you, but you have to, as a professional author pro, have somewhere for your people to go to, to purchase your book, to, to see if you're credible. How are you establish yourself as a, um, you know, an expert in the industry if you don't have a place for them to, to go to? So what does it look like to create a brand as an author? What does it look like? Um, it looks like strategy number one. You have to really sit down and figure out, like I said, what is the problem that you're help, helping your audience solve? Because they don't care, I'm sorry to burst y'all's book, but they don't care how good your book is. They care about you want to help them. And whether that's a children's book that teaches people how to, um, you know, interact with children with disabilities, or it's a children's book Sade's in the back talking about um, <laughs> living with, um, growing up without your parents. Like, how are you going to help them? That's what you need to establish. How is this brand, this book, this whatever going to help them? Because that's number one, you really got to sit down and come up with a strategy. The identity comes second. First, you need to figure out what's, stand, what's helping you to stand apart. Then you'll get into, you don't really need a fancy logo, guys. If you look around at other brands, keep the glitter out, keep the text, like simple, remarkable, recognizable is all you need. Then you can get into your website and your identity, but you really want to start with the strategy of it all. Like, how am I going to stand apart? How am I going to, uh, let people know that I am an expertise, an expert in this industry, whatever it is, an expert in this field, whatever that is, and then you can get into the looks of it and making it look good. So, what's the difference between branding and marketing? The, the marketing comes second. <laughs> Let's get that out the way. The marketing comes second. The marketing is the vehicle in which you're going to get it out to the masses, right? So whether that's social media marketing, whether that's television, but the, the brand is the why. It's the why at the end of the day. It's the mission. It's the what stands in, keeps me standing apart. You can go to all other brand strategies online. You can go to another graphic designer, but what sets me apart is I actually am educated in what fonts go good, good together. Why this color makes the person feel this way. Why using um, white space makes a difference in texture brand to a luxury. So like you really, you have to know what it is that's keeping you apart. The marketing is that, you know, I can market on just on social media, I can do Google ads, I can do anything to get the message out there, but my why and what's uh, differentiating me from other brand strategies is, is, is what the brand is. I hope I'm getting there and I'll repeat my there, but I just want to bring it home because people are really, I think these days just confused of what it is that they need when they're getting started. And when it comes to authors, they don't care how good your book is. It's or how are you going to help them? And why should they trust you to help them instead of her? Yes. That's your brand. And if you haven't taken time to figure that out before you even publish, you're already setting yourself up for failure because you're going to waste money, you're going to waste time, and I tell people all the time, my clients all the time, your brand comes before your inventory. Why are you purchasing inventory and you don't even know why you're doing it or who you're talking to? So 
So that has to come first. You really have to sit down and figure out who you're speaking to, who your competition is, what they're doing right, what you can do differently. I don't know who wants to do bundles in here. Okay, you can say you got the best seven, eight, great hair, whatever, whatever, but you don't. Someone else got the same vendor as you, but what's going to set you apart? Okay, you want to speak to people who have alopecia. That's a story right there. That is a why that someone can connect to it. Your Half your proceeds go to help. That's the mission. That's the brand. That's what's going to make you purchase your bundles instead of purchase. So what is going to help you stand apart? What's going to help your book stand apart? What's going to help, you know, that it all comes into it. But you have to know the why first. You have to know who you're speaking to first. Everything else will follow. Okay. All right, guys. Let's give it up for
First, you want to know your business. You have that business plan. What are your intentions? Are you plan planning to stay local in Ohio or expand out across all 50 states? There is something called common law rights to intellectual properties and especially trademarks and copyright. So if you're someone who's like, I'm going to stay here in Ohio or in Columbus specifically, just by using your trademark, you have the common law right to it. But the caveat is, if someone then registers it in, with the USPTO, then they have right everywhere else. So you have to know what your, your goal is with your business, how far you want to expand. The second consideration is that you need to be using it in commerce, or at least getting ready to use it very soon. There's an application called Intent to Use, so you can, um, if you're like starting to build your products, you have you know your brand in place, you're going to start selling and you want to protect it before you start selling, you can file an intent to use. That's one application that costs a lot of money and then you have to transfer it to a full application, uh, which costs a lot of money too. So I would say trademark when you're officially launching and starting to use your trademark. Um, you can trademark your logo just based on that point, but make sure that your logo is on the things that you are using in commerce or selling. So we talked about branding, for example. If your logo is just on like your social media profile picture and that's the only place you see it and everything else that you're selling, you're using something totally different, that's not really used in commerce. You know? So you just have to make sure to differentiate like branding with your logo versus actually using it on the products that you're shipping out. Um, and so if you are getting ready to start selling, you know your vision, how far out you want to reach, then go ahead and trademark. Another really good time to do it is if you're going out seeking funding. So things like your trademarks and copyright, intellectual property are considered real property in the US. Take the word real out because that has like legal significance, but I mean actual property in the US and it's protected. You have a bundle of rights that come with it. Some of those rights include you monetizing it, uh, creating derivatives, and a bunch of other things. So that has a lot of value in it. So when you're out seeking funding and you want to value your company, your intellectual property portfolio is part of that. So before you're out seeking funding, I would say make sure you have the rights to your IP so you can include that in your valuation. That was good. How does copywriting your book protect you? All right, so do you guys know, do you need to file a copyright registration to protect your book? Who knows, yes or no? If you think yes, just put your hand up. Okay, she. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to um, the copyright laws, you have common law rights, and it's really simple. The requirement is that you create an original work of art, you make it up, you don't steal it from anyone, and all of it is original. Okay, that it is slightly creative, that standard is super low, so whatever, you know, because creativity is very subjective, so it has to be just slightly creative, uh, and then it has to be fixed in something. It can't be in your brain. Intellectual property law does not protect your ideas ever. They have to be fixed, okay? You have to do something with it. Okay, so that's the incentive. Uh, so once you fix it, one good example is J.K. Rowling. She was starting her Harry Potter series. She started writing it on a napkin, and that counts as a fixed worth of art, okay? So, once you have those things, sell your book. You don't even have to put the little C logo on it. Now, 
when someone, you find out someone is infringing on your copyright, so someone is using it, stealing it, whatever, then you need to register your copyright. What happens when you register? What's the benefit? One, you put people on notice that you're the owner of it, and two, you finally have a legal right to take them to court to sue and get damages and get attorney fees back. You cannot do that if you don't have a registered copyright. Um, and I say that just to tell you, like, if you feel motivated to publish a book and you don't have the money or time to hire an attorney to copyright your product, to protect it, it's okay, you're still protected. Go ahead and publish that book. But when you're there, when you get the resources, then go ahead and copyright it. Or when something happens, then go ahead and copyright it uh, with the United States Copyright Office so that you can enforce your rights. Okay, so this is the last question, I promise. <laughs> As a self-author, how important is it to have a contract or some type of service agreement when doing business with another party? So important. So important. I do some litigation for business clients as well, and all of the litigation I do, 99%, is based off of people who have verbal agreements with someone else and somebody doesn't follow through and now they want to sue them for it. They either want to collect money or uh, like they want to get paid or the other person wants to get paid, along with some other issues. So it's super important that you start off protected. Having a contract in place with people that you hire, um, uh, let me get to that in a second. So first of all, having contracts in place that are super detailed that clearly, clearly um, manifest your intention of that partnership. Things like, what are the services? What are the expectations? Who gets to sign off on if it's acceptable? Like the finished product is something that is acceptable to you. That's something that's subjective. Uh, who pays? When do they pay? What type of currency? Is it credit? Is it cash? Do you accept Bitcoin? Is that okay? Uh, those type of things. And then what happens if someone breaches it? Okay, uh, do you want to go to arbitration or should you go to court? And who's responsible for the attorney fees? If that's not in the contract, you don't get attorney fees. So imagine you have a $500 contract that's breached and now you're hiring an attorney and spending $5,000 to collect on that contract. It's not worth it. But if you have in your contract attorney fees are part of the dispute resolution, then you get that money back too. So super important, makes your life easier to just have that in the beginning. Now all of you guys as authors, you're artists, you're creating something, and sometimes you might hire someone to help you create it. Maybe you hire someone to help you with the branding, someone to create your logo, someone to help you ghostwrite. Whatever the case is, someone is helping you with intellectual property. So when you're hiring, you also, it's so, so important to have a work for hire provision or agreement that someone is signing and an NDA or potentially non-compete. And all of that is just to say that if someone is creating something for you, you own it and they don't own it. I told you the, the requirements for copyright. It's that it has to be an original work of authorship. The person who creates it automatically owns it which means if you hire someone to create it, they automatically own it, unless you have a contract that says you're hiring them to create it for you and you are the author. So when you go to register that copyright with the copyright office, they'll ask you in there if you're the original author or if you hired someone, and if you cannot answer affirmatively or, 
Or if you can't, you know, most of the time you'll want to provide the contracts to show, to prove that you're the author. So super important, get those contracts in place. Do not take shortcuts on those contracts. It feels very daunting in the beginning, but it's going to save you so much headache and money at the end. So, can you let everybody know your social media handles or whatever, you, your phone number, whatever you can offer for your service? Yes, definitely. So, I'm on all social media. It's GK Law Co. Um, and then, yeah, DM me or just go to my website, www.gklawco.com. I have some QR codes for you, so I will be providing you all here with free consultation. Uh, use the QR code so you can actually get the free link because on the website, it, it costs money right now. That's it. Thank you. All right. So, now, since we got through your direct questions, I'm just going to throw some questions out here, and whoever wants to jump in can jump in. But let's talk about um, the realness of the industries that you guys are in. So let's talk about some of the strengths about being in the industry that you're in. Anyone can take it. I'll start. So the strength of being a great networker is I can't be in every room every time. So for me, building relationships with people and letting people know what I do and how great I do it, I don't always have to be in a room for my name to be in the room. So make sure you're building those relationships with people because you're not going to be able to be everywhere. But if people know what you do, if they know how good you are, they're going to speak your name and opportunities are going to come. They're going to come. So I would say make sure that you're doing something that's adding value and, and that people know how good you do that thing. Come on guys, I know somebody else got some strengths in here. I think I would say the strength of having a brand strategy is really just confidence. Like confidence to walk into, you shouldn't have to, even if you're at an event like this, like you shouldn't have to have people come up to your booth and you have to sit there and say, yeah, because I grew up and you don't want to have to sit there and tell 15 minute backstory to sell your book, right? But if you have to brand strategy, you have a clear mission, a why, a clear uh, target audience, and that is displayed throughout all of your brand collateral on your banners, on your tablecloth, like if it's there and it has been done right, you will have the confidence. People can walk up and see if they're your target audience or not, or if they're your client or customer. People should automatically go to your website and say, yes, this is who I need to help me over this other person. So it's, it's just a level of confidence that comes with a level, level of clarity and knowing who you're talking to. So that's it. Yep. I stole her mic. <laughs> So uh, one of the strengths of uh, building up your personal finances and just being financially secure is exactly that, you're secure. Um, here in the United States of America where we live, money is power, period. And it costs to live in this country. So, you know, they say the best things in life are free, but you cannot walk into your rental office and pay your rents with your happiness. You have to have that money in order, you absolutely do. And it's, it's a financial peace. That's why we say it's peace, because when your finances are stable, money's not a problem preventer, it's a problem solver. So let's just kind of get that straight. It's not gonna stop your problems from coming, but if you are financially secure and have your finances in order, when those problems do arrive, which they will, you can navigate those, work, those murky waters easy. 
right? Easier. Um, so money is gonna help you navigate and it's gonna just give you peace of mind. I don't know if anybody's ever been in debt before or had a bill and they couldn't pay it. How did that bill to you, right? Did that bill good? Well, the opposite of that is having your finances in order so when those bills are due and financial challenges occur, that you have them in order, that feels a lot better, right? So it's just really about peace, it's about abundance, living an abundant lifestyle, and about quality of life. You know, we get to live a good life, right? That's just, if you get into the word, that's what it says. We get to give, live a good life, that's the promise. Um, so a part of that promise, and if you do even get into the word, it talks about money. It talks about being in financial, a financial healthy situation, being a good steward of your dollars, right? Not being a slave to the dollar, not being a slave to the borrower, right? So you just got to get your finances in order so that you can live abundant lifestyle, so you can live in peace, and then also so you can leave a legacy for your loved ones, your family, your children. It's uh, really about setting them up so they can live better than what we had. Anyone else have some strengths? So I think the strength, uh, besides like the obvious, protecting yourself and your business and your art, I think just having legal processes and protection in place just makes you a more sophisticated business owner and people just take you more seriously. I think that's your opportunity to sit at that big table with really sophisticated, other sophisticated business owners and having those conversations. I work with startup clients who spend a lot of money on legal services, and they always tell me when they go out for funding, it just makes them look better. Really, it, it just helps your credibility. Okay, Jackson, I know you got a strong. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not one. All I want to say is, um, like Sierra says, credit is cash. Credit is basically everything. Um, you want to be able to use other people's money um, instead of your own. So definitely building your credit is very important. All right, so let's talk about the opportunities that you guys have within your industry. What opportunities come your way? Well, first of all, I say opportunities aren't missed. They are, they move, they're getting moved around. So if you won't go, somebody else is going to do what you're going to do. So make sure, I always say, make sure you're in the room because opportunities are gonna come. And I'll say this, Sheik, um, Sheik and Shanika and I, um, we start four years ago, we were in a room together, not knowing none of this was even thought of. And um, now here I am, four years later, Every interaction is not a transaction. We didn't know that we were gonna be able to work together. We didn't know that this was gonna happen, but you never know what your network or your influence, who that is gonna inspire. So take it seriously. When you get in people's space, take it seriously because you never know what opportunities may come to you. And here I am four years later with two of my good friends and, and I'm, doing, I'm doing this, speaking to you guys and they've helped with me just fulfilling the calling on my life. So, take it seriously. <laughs> so, I'll say that, uh, first of all, opportunity means nothing if you're not prepared for it. Um, you just gotta stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And 
you know, you have to just be ready for those opportunities when they arise. So whether it's just being an author, whether it's being a business owner, entrepreneur, you're going for funding, finance, having your legals in order, having your financials in order, all those things, if they're not in order when those opportunities present, then they're not going to, uh, they're not going to um, benefit you. So you got to be prepared for opportunities um, and just stay ready. Now in my industry, I uh, see a lot of different things, you know, as an opportunity as far as uh, having your finances in order. One of the things I love about speaking a language of money fluently is I can talk to anyone. I can travel, I can be amongst any culture. It is the universal language. Um, so, you know, money is green at the end of the day. And when you know this language, you can get anything you want. It is such a powerful language to learn. So don't underestimate the power of just educating yourself. And um, one of the opportunities that we also have in this industry and that I particularly offer to people is um, I help people learn the language of money and I also help people get their financial licenses as well. Um, so if anybody's interested in getting their financial licenses, becoming an investment advisor, we pay for the licenses. Um, it's free. Um, it's a commitment, obviously, um, but it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to learn the language, but to also um, add another revenue stream as well. So one opportunity we have in the legal industry is just that it's too expensive and so a lot of times people will forego taking care of the legal side of their business until later, until they have money because it's too expensive. And like I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that can go wrong until then that cost you even more money. Uh, and so I would say, you know, don't overlook the legal side of your business just because you cannot afford to hire a lawyer. That's fine. There are so many great resources out there. Nonprofit organizations like SCORE. Uh, I often lead workshops there and teach you just about legal side, legal considerations. There's legal aid and there's just a lot of other organizations like that. So take advantage, go learn about it. Uh, and don't just kind of Google or listen to what people are telling you you need. Try to get as like, you know, curated advice as you can by tapping into the resources that are available to you as authors but also small business owners. Okay, I see you guys shaking your head, I'll move on. So, <laughs> what are some of the weaknesses slash threats that comes up in the industries that you guys are in? Um, I would say uh, one weakness with credit repair is everyone thinking that it is an overnight process. It is definitely not an overnight process. It, take, it took you so many years to mess up your credit, so it's definitely going to take us time to repair your credit for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I guess one weakness with the branding is people think that, I feel like people treat branding as an actor. Right, and it should be here and they're putting it at the end. So I talked a little bit earlier about investing in your brand before you invest in your inventory or purchase all these books because your brand is, is what's gonna attract your readers to you. It's, going to, it's what's gonna attract your ideal client to you. So you spend about a $5,000 budget to launch your business, you spend $3,000 on inventory, you spend $1,000 on doing a cute photo shoot with you and your girls, and then you, this much 